0: Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, November 13th, 2022. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, on Tuesday, October 25th, our weekly staff meeting was momentarily interrupted by the 5.1 magnitude earthquake that shook the Bay Area. And, you know, even if you live around here and, and know that you're on top of seven significant fault zones Experiencing an earthquake always manages to be a kind of surreal experience. You know, you you think that you just felt something, and you start to wonder, did anyone else feel that? Am I imagining things? Was that actually an earthquake? Well, fortunately, uh, as we were all asking ourselves those questions that morning, uh, Danielle got a notification on her phone confirming what we were all silently wondering. Uh, we had, in fact, experienced an earthquake, and it even had a timestamp of 1142 a.m. on it. Uh, there really is an app for everything. Now, if it seemed to you like it had been a while since you'd felt an earthquake of that magnitude, it's because it has. Uh, the last one of a similar size was back in 2007. And so, not surprisingly, everyone was a buzz that day. When I was at Red Rock later in the afternoon, the earthquake was definitely the hot topic of conversation among the staff as I ordered my coffee. And as everyone was sharing their experience of it that day, the conversation drifted to the last really big earthquake in the area, the Loma Prieta quake of 1989. And the staff asked me about it and then after I shared my experience, and started to ask them about their experience, I was confronted with the harsh reality that the staff who were working there that day weren't even born in 1989. You know, sometimes there is just no escaping the aging process, unfortunately. Well, all of that talk about earthquakes is actually very relevant as we continue our Ears to Hear teaching series this morning where we were exploring Jesus' messages to the seven churches in Asia from the book of Revelation. Because earthquakes, believe it or not, were a part of life in the city of Philadelphia, which is the sixth church that is addressed by Jesus in John's vision. Philadelphia was founded by Attalus II in 140 BCE. It was strategically located on the border of the countries of Mysia, Lydia, and Phrygia, and because of its prime location, it was founded as a missionary city of sorts. And its mission it was to bring Greek culture to the recently annexed areas of Lydia and Phrygia. And it was a, a highly successful venture. Thanks to Philadelphia, by the first century, Greek had become the dominant language in the area. Now, Philadelphia was a prosperous city that was built on agriculture industry and was a major center for temple worship and religious festivals. By the 5th century, it had become known as Little Athens because of its many temples to Dionysus. It also had a large and influential Jewish population as well. The city was located on the edge of a highly volcanic area that, in addition to producing fertile soil for agriculture uh, and delightful hot springs, also produced frequent earthquakes, including a massive one that nearly destroyed the city in the year 17 CE, which, as we will see later, significantly altered the dynamics of the city. So that's the backdrop as we come to Jesus' words to the church at Philadelphia this morning. If you have a Bible accessible, uh, either physically or digitally, and you'd like to join me in the scriptures, you can turn or tap your way to Revelation chapter 3, which is our text for this morning. And as always, the text will also be projected on the screen, here in the auditorium, as well as in the courtyard, if you'd like to follow along there. So let's look together now at Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. To the churches. Well, as we listen to Jesus' words there, we definitely get the sense that the church at Philadelphia was facing a number of significant obstacles. The first of those is that they seem to have been excluded by the Jewish community in the city. The church at Philadelphia appears to have been excluded from fellowship and worship with the Jewish community. And that's something that's inferred by the two references at the beginning of the passage, one in verse 7 and the other in verse 8, to doors that are open and shut. Look again with me at verse 7 of Revelation 3. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. We see there that Jesus greets the church at Philadelphia as the one who holds the key of David. Now, we've talked about Revelation being apocalyptic literature, and one of the features of the genre is that it's loaded with highly symbolic imagery, often imagery from the Old Testament. And this image of the key of David here in verse 7 has its roots in Isaiah chapter 22 and is a symbol here Of Jesus's authority and that authority that Jesus has is is reinforced by the fact that no one can shut what he opens or open what he shuts no one can shut what Jesus opens or opens open what he shuts and so Jesus proclaims here that that he is the one with ultimate authority he effectively holds the key And no one can shut what he opens or open what he shuts. And then look at what Jesus says next in verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And Jesus' language there makes it pretty clear that he is not happy with the way that the church was being treated by the Jews in the city. And the reference to the synagogue of Satan there in verse 9 certainly highlights that. Now, it's likely that the church at Philadelphia was shut out by the Jewish community for theological reasons. Because it was not uncommon at all for Christians and Jews to be at odds with one another when it came to theology. Christians, for example, claimed to be heirs of the history of the Israelites. They claimed to worship the one who was the fulfillment of Jewish messianic expectations, albeit in a completely different way than the Jews had anticipated. And... Perhaps most offensively, Christian communities included Gentiles who did not follow all of the Old Testament laws around things like, for example, what to eat or what not to eat, or circumcision. And so we can certainly imagine why the Christians in Philadelphia might not have been embraced by the Jewish community. Another obstacle that the church in Philadelphia appears to have been facing is related to their strength. Jesus says in verse 8, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And so Jesus, because again, he is present with his church, knows that this community had little strength. Whether that's a reference to them not having a lot of people, or not having a lot of financial resources, or both. And so this appears to have been a church that in the eyes of the world, and, and perhaps by the measures of the world, was weak. Another obstacle that faced this church came as a result of both the past history and the ongoing experience of earthquakes in the city, which created a palpable sense of fear among the residents that many of us can probably relate to as residents of the Bay Area. You know, I remember... Uh, after seeing the images of the collapse of the Nimitz Freeway and the Bay Bridge uh, after the Loma Prieta earthquake. I, I remember not wanting to be stopped in my car underneath an overpass You know, for months uh, thinking about aftershocks. And the residents of Philadelphia had those kinds of lingering fears too. And so much so that many people actually moved outside of the city walls in search of safety and security. They, they, they would still come into town to do business, but they no longer lived in the city. And so the seismic instability of Philadelphia and the region around it had a kind of scattering effect on the city. And then, uh, in addition to all of those obstacles, the church was also facing the challenge of living in a city that was deeply shaped by the power and influence of, Of the Roman Empire. And after that major earthquake happened in 17 BCE, it was the Roman Empire that helped rebuild the city of Philadelphia. And in exchange for all the assistance, uh, the city was given a new new name, Neo-Caesarea, or the city of the young Caesar. And it became devoted from that time on to worshipping its benefactor, Tiberius. And the cultural pressure you know, to worship the, the imperial cult is something that the Christian church may have felt more acutely as a result of, of being excluded from the Jewish community. And that's because it was often the case that as long as followers of Jesus were seen as another sect within Judaism... Uh, They were able to benefit from the protections that were granted to the Jews, right? So, for example, you know, as long as the Jews paid their taxes, they were not forced to participate in the worship practices of the imperial cult. But if the Christian church was not a part of the synagogue, they may have lost that protection. You know, they may not have had that anymore. And they may have faced persecution for not participating in the worship of Caesar, and so this church uh, was faced with the challenge of ministering in this city of the young Caesar with all of the cultural pressures around it. But, you know, it's interesting. Despite all of those obstacles, this church appears to have been doing well in the eyes of Jesus. And so well, in fact, that, that like the church in Smyrna, Jesus offers no words of correction for them. But and so Jesus held the church at Philadelphia in high esteem. And his words of affirmation for them here in Revelation 3 give us some insight, I think, into why. Look with me again at Jesus's words from Revelation chapter 3 verse 8. He says, "I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut." I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. You know, that image of the open door is such a rich one. And it has a couple of different layers of meaning uh, relative to Jesus's promise and, and his calling, both for the church at Philadelphia and for us as the church today as well. First, the open door is an image of hope. The open door is an image of hope. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 7, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And then he says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The word that's translated as gate for us in English literally means door in the original language. And so Jesus is the door that he promises the church here. Jesus is the door. And here in Revelation chapter 3, he is reaffirming his promise to his people of an open door relationship with him. He's reaffirming his promise of an open door relationship with his people. And so, even if the door to the synagogue is closed to the members of the church at Philadelphia, the door to the Father, Jesus Himself, is never closed. And that is a great reminder for us, right? both as the church today and as individuals, in the midst of, of whatever obstacles we're facing or will face. The door to Jesus is never closed. The door to Jesus is never closed. He is always present and always waiting for us to enter. Not only is this image of the door an image of hope, but it's also an image for the church's call to mission. The open door is an image for the church's call to mission. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul writes, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he writes, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. And then in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. And so we see there that, that Paul right, repeatedly uses the open door as an image for missional opportunity. He repeatedly uses the image of an open door as an image for missional opportunity, right? God was opening doors for Paul to continue the mission of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom in word and deed, right? Despite the various obstacles that he was facing, right? Like the people who were opposing him in 1 Corinthians 16 and the chains of imprisonment, in Colossians chapter 4. And Jesus uh, is really doing the same thing here for the church at Philadelphia. That right? He wants them to know and he wants them to remember that the obstacles that they are facing, uh, whether it's their exclusion from the synagogue or the persecution that they're experiencing or their limited resources or the challenges of, of building a church in a city that is so transient, right? Jesus wants them to remember that those obstacles are doors of opportunity. Those obstacles are doors of opportunity because the church is called to continue Jesus's mission. The church is called to continue Jesus's mission. And we're called to that mission in spite of the various obstacles that we might encounter. And there's a sense, I think, in which the Church of Philadelphia was already doing this. Right? They had kept Jesus's word and, and not denied his name, despite the obstacles. Right? They were living into their call to mission, and Jesus was affirming and encouraging them to keep it up. Last week, I was returning from Honduras, Uh, Where I spent a few days doing some work with our ministry partner, Footsteps Missions. And Footsteps uh, began serving in the city of Santa Barbara in 2011 when it opened the Garden of Love and Hope, uh, which is a holistic after school program that provides nutritious meals, clothing, medicine, academic support, and spiritual support to the least of these in the community. And uh, this was the first time that I had been since February of 2019, and so there was a lot to see. But there was one thing that I experienced that was especially moving. In November of 2020, at just eight months or so after the pandemic started, a Category 5 hurricane hit northern Honduras, causing severe flooding near Santa Barbara because of a river that runs through the area, and devastating the coffee crop. Santa Barbara uh, is the predominant coffee growing region in the country. Now, a disaster like that uh, is overwhelming enough on its own. But then there was the added layer of the pandemic too, which at the time was was still very precarious. But the footsteps staff, uh, which is 100% led, by the way, by Honduran nationals, wanted to help with the tremendous need that was around them. And so they began to ask around and learned about a community near the river where people had had their homes, which were wholly or partially made out of adobe, washed out by the flood. And despite the fact that the area was super difficult to access, uh, the footsteps staff was resourceful and managed to get in there. They prepared and delivered meals and, even more importantly, were able to work with the residents to provide blocks and cement for homes to be rebuilt. And I was able to visit this neighborhood during my my trip. And, you know, when we arrived, uh, Nettie, who's been a part of the ministry since it started, you know, when, when he got out of his truck in this neighborhood, it was like Elvis had entered the building. I mean, the people literally just flocked to him. You know, and it was evidence of the impact That he had had and the deep, deep gratitude that was there for the love and the compassion that had been embodied to this neighborhood. And then I mentioned earlier that in addition to causing massive flooding, the hurricane also decimated the coffee crop, uh, which directly impacted a large number of the families who participate at the two gardens who work on the farms picking coffee. And so in response, Footsteps purchased some land and started a cooperative farm where families in the program can volunteer and, based on their hours, receive a share of the harvest. Now, currently, the farm is producing plantains and sugarcane, but will soon also be growing corn, lemons, avocados, mangoes, coconuts, and more. And right now, there are 27 families who are volunteering there. And all of that That is such a great example of how obstacles are an open door to mission. Obstacles are an open door to mission. And Jesus' words to the church at Philadelphia are an invitation for us to see them that way. It'll give you easy to be deterred by the obstacles as we seek to continue Jesus' mission in our community. This last week was an election week. Right? It can be easy to feel overwhelmed by the political divisiveness of our time and, and perhaps even more significantly by the increasing inability to have respectful discourse. And it can be easy to be overwhelmed by the housing crisis that exists in our community. Easy to be overwhelmed by the poverty gap that exists here in the Valley. Easy to be overwhelmed by by conversations that are taking place around race and gender and sexuality. Easy to be overwhelmed by the transient nature of this area and the ongoing challenge that building and rebuilding community can be. Easy to be overwhelmed by cultural values that are opposed to the values of God's kingdom. But Jesus, right in this small but mighty little church in Philadelphia, importantly reminds us that all of those are actually open doors to mission, right? They are all doors of opportunity for us as the church to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And so may we see them as such. May we not be overwhelmed, but instead look to God for his wisdom. And may he lead us in His love to those who are around us. What obstacle is God inviting you to see this morning as an open door to mission? What obstacle is God inviting you to see this morning as an open door to continue His mission? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks this morning for the gift of your scriptures and for the gift of the words of Jesus to these seven churches in Asia, and particularly this morning, the gift of the words to the church at Philadelphia. Father, it never ceases to amaze me how many similarities that there are between these ancient texts, and the world that we continue to live in today. And in particular, when it comes to the city of Philadelphia, uh, the, the transient nature of the city, and the fact that the area was prone to earthquakes, which is so much like the place where we live today. Thank you, Father, for the way that this church kept your word and did not deny your name despite the myriad of obstacles that they faced. Thank you, Father, for the example that they give of what it means to continue your mission in the world. Thank you for their resiliency and for the courage that they had to see the obstacles that they faced as open doors, to see them as doors of opportunity to continue your mission. And thank you, God, for the difference that they were making. Father, I pray that you would similarly enable us to face the obstacles that we encounter with courage, to see them not as things to be afraid of or to be overwhelmed by, but rather as open doors to continue your work. Father, we thank you that your door to mission, opened by the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus, is never a door that is shut. It's never a door that's shut. And so may you give us the wisdom and the courage to step through those open doors and bring the life and the light of the presence of your kingdom into the places of our world that need it the most. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we have ears to hear this morning, Father, what your Spirit says to us, your church. In Jesus' name, amen.